0: If you've been walking with us uh, on this series, um, it's called Living the Dream, and um, last week we we unpacked the blessings that God promised to Israel. And uh, He said, hey, you're going to have all these blessings inside of the land of Canaan. But we also unpacked how we have blessings that are for us in the life of Christ. So He gave a promise to Israel uh, that really aren't our promises but we have promises for us we learn from what they have so what you saw physically with Israel you see it in the idea spiritually for us as followers of Christ now we cannot talk about blessings without talking about curses okay so you've got this both sides of the coin so to speak and and if you if you could define a curse, how would you define that curse? You know, we all have different ideas. Like some people say, when you say the word curse, like, you know, if you're in Arkansas, they think you mean cussing, right? Like a cuss word, right? But, uh, but curse, you know, is, is a different thing. When we think about a curse, I, I, I don't know. If I, when I, first thing I thought think of is when I think about a curse, I think about that movie, The Mummy, with, uh, you know, talking about from several years ago with Brandon Fraser, right? You get the curses, right? The, the mummy curse, the Egyptian curse. Um, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, in Deuteronomy uh, we're looking in, in the book of Deuteronomy we, we've been looking at t- chapter 27 28 29 and 30 um, and in Deuteronomy 28 God lays out blessings but he also lays out curses but now if you go in and you start to examine those curses uh, they're actually the exact exact opposite of the blessing so you see the blessing listed and then you'll see the basically the antithesis Or the exact opposite, or this way, it's an absence or removal or the forfeiture of the blessing. So God says, hey, here's all the things that you get in me, but then if you don't obey and you kind of go the other way, the forfeiture of all those blessings will, that's what you're going to actually end up experiencing. Now, here's the thing as a New Testament follower, we have spiritual blessings in Christ, as we saw last week in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, those blessings cannot, we can't lose those blessings. Those are eternal guaranteed blessings. But here's the thing. Our disobedience to the Lord can lead us to forfeiting our full enjoyment of those blessings. But in other words, we those they're, they're available to us, but we can end up lacking the fullness of those, experiencing those by not obeying what God says for us to how we should walk with Him. Now, I want you to know something before we jump into this stuff, these curses. I want you to know that God is a loving, merciful, compassionate God. You guys believe that? Amen? God is always, hear me, God is always about restoring. That is His MO. He's always about restoration. He always wants to fix that which is broken. So if His own people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, if there's a situation where we get away from God and we start experiencing difficulties and curses or whatever you want to call those, God is all about wanting to restore His people back to Himself. Now today, we're going to be talking about Israel's curses and how restoration happened for them and how restoration can happen for us as Jesus followers. So, Our emphasis, uh, really the main text is going to be Deuteronomy 30, but what I want to do is I want us to look at chapter 28 and and basically set this whole thing up. Now, just for the sake of just reading a bunch of scripture, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to um, just kind of paraphrase in summary what those curses are. So basically I'm going to paint a picture for you uh, of Israel's consequences on how they experience adversity, how they experience calamity in their life on every level because they chose other gods, because they chose idols, and because they chose not to love their neighbor. And that's really, if you look at Deuteronomy, it's, Deuteronomy means the second law. God is reiterating the law over, and, he, and, and you know, as Jesus said, He says the sum of the law comes in two things. You know, the first part of the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and then to love your what? Neighbor as yourself. That's the sum of the whole law. So if you look at Deuteronomy, he's saying, look, these are the things how you can love me, and these are how you need to love the people around you. So what happens is, is if we get away from that, uh, God says, listen to Israel. He says, hey, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be calamity. It's going to come on, your, on your, uh, to you on every level. Now, I walked through to Deuteronomy 28, and I, I broke it down into five categories, Okay. And just listen to these uh, categories and what God said would happen to them. First category is spiritual or relational, um, or both. First of all, what would happen to them is that they would begin to lose the fear of the Lord, um, and they would begin to do- dishonor His name. And then the next thing that would happen, He said, would that God's His own people, would then be, start becoming selfish. They would become unloving. They would even start being cruel to their own families. Is this is a result of walking away from God's commands? Marital love would then begin to start being undermined. Now, I'm paraphrasing all this so that saves you from having to read it all, okay? But you can go back and read it and find out if what I said was true. Marital love will be undermined. Um, they would begin to helplessly watch their own kids taken into custody and some of them even being fostered. Uh, kids' hearts would be bent toward immoral choices. So what does that mean? It means because the people of God who were parents began to drift away from God and start to choose other things, it would directly affect their children that they would not want to follow God, therefore they would want to follow the immoral choices of the world. You guys tracking with me, right? So this is a spiritual relational curse that would come upon them, all right? So this is consequences, okay? There would be mental consequences, they would feel like they were in prison mentally, that they would be, they would feel like they're in chains, confused and, and anxious. Uh, they would be overwhelmed with a big issue in their life. And what would happen is, he says in the text, that they would go basically to, to, to take care of that one issue, and then by focusing on that, seven more issues would come up, that part of the curse, because you're not following me, you're not listening to me to to, to take care of this issue, seven more are going to pop up, and all of a sudden, you're going to feel so overwhelmed, okay? He says, everyone's hearts and souls would be in turmoil, and at times, now, at times, I'm thinking, man, I can totally relate to this, at times, they would feel like that they're going crazy. This is, I'm paraphrasing again, this is what God says, this is going to be the result if you walk away from me, Politically, their government power would slip away out of their hands, and another pagan nation would begin to take power over them. Other nations would begin to mock their laws, Israel's laws, their laws in the Word, and they would also begin to mock Jehovah. Um, Aliens, uh, people from outside the country, would be given rights, and the citizens themselves would be stripped of their rights, uh, in a sense, becoming slaves the aliens would begin to call the shots and they would begin to cry out and to get whatever they wanted. Outside nations would destroy the traditional values, the the moral and family values of the nation. Um, Other nations would begin to drain Israel of their resources, and then those aliens would start invading major cities in their country one by one. This almost sounds very familiar, actually. Okay, now... Then, that wasn't it. Then there's this other curse we call the medical curse. There would be begin to be plagues and diseases that would actually start to happen in the land. Epidemics would start swooping the land that they lived in. Medical problems on a personal level would grow. In other words, they just get one medical issue after another, and healing would end up evading them. In other words, they would try to get healed, but they couldn't. And then lastly, financially and vocationally, God says, listen, time and money and peace Will be constantly stolen away from you. You will live in prosperity one year, but the next year you're going to live in poverty. All of your undertakings and your plans will struggle to succeed. Your goals will be unreachable. Your career pursuits will be in vain. Even your rest and relaxation will not be rest and relaxation. The economy would be so bad that you're going to desperately offer yourself as cheap labor and nobody's going to hire you. You're going to work in exhaustion and you'll have nothing to show for it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I was sitting in your seats right now, I would say this sermon stinks. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, this is. I don't want to hear this. This is depressing, right? I mean, like, who wants to? I mean, but maybe you, th- maybe you're not thinking that. Maybe you're thinking, man, God is a mean God. He's a cruel God. He's just, you know, why in the world did He do that to them? I want you to understand something. It wasn't God doing that to them. It's what they did to themselves. This was not a deliberate thing that they said. You know what? I think I like curses better than blessings, so I think I'm going to actually disobey God on purpose, and therefore, so I can experience all this trouble in my life. That's not what happened. What happened was, is they drifted away. Do you guys know that God is always constant? If we ever feel like that we're actually far from God, God didn't go anywhere. He said He'd never leave us nor forsake us, okay? Who the, why is there a separation? It's us. We're the ones that drift away from God. We're the ones that disobey God. We're the ones that don't listen to God. We drift away from loving God. We drift away from serving God, okay? So for Israel, they did this to themselves. Israel's problem was not making mistakes with their hands. Israel's problem was that they were not loving God with all of their hearts. Now, so here's the thing. Let's think about this from a physical standpoint. If your physical heart that what's inside of your chest right now, that little muscle, that little organ, right, if it's not working right, what do you do? You go to the, you go to the doctor, right? And, and so what would the doctor's solution be for you, right? Medicine or maybe some sort of procedure, maybe it's surgery, right? The doctor's going to give a solution. Well, in the same way that the Israel's hearts were, were kind of messed up, they came, it, it, God was saying, listen, I'm the great physician and I have a solution for your spiritual heart problem, okay? Now watch what it says. This is when we jump into Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you will what? You may live. God's going to circumcise their heart so that their heart can actually love the Lord um, fully, so that they could actually live. So, here's the thing. We know, I think all of us have probably heard enough of the Bible that that we know that God wants everybody to love Him, right? Right? And obey Him. But But here's the thing. An unredeemed sinner cannot love God and will not love God. Why is that? Because an unredeemed sinner has no capacity to love God. They have no capacity to submit to the authority of God. Now, loving God sounds good. Obeying God sounds good. But they cannot do it. It's because, why? It's because their heart has not been surgically, in a sense, worked on spiritually. You guys track in with me. So what has God got to do? God has to surgically fix, in a sense, the spiritual heart. So God's got to make it new or renew it so that we can experience life, right? So uh, here's the thing. A a doctor can only diagnose... uh, Let's talk about back to the physical thing. A doctor can only physically diagnose and fix a heart if the patient visits the doctor, Right? You know, now, God, I'm talking to the men now. Man, we are the worst ones, man. We, are, we don't want to go to the doctor. You know why? Because in our minds, we think we're 18 our whole life, okay? We're, you know, we're 18 years old, man, we don't need a doctor, right? I mean, man, my leg's falling off. I don't need a doctor, right? But, but here's the thing <laughs> let's get on But a doctor can only diagnose your problem and fix your problem if you visit the doctor. And if you obey what the doctor says that you need to do, right? I mean, you know, we may refuse to go to the doctor, but maybe we finally give in to the doctor, but then we got to do what the doctor says. You may give you prescription, but if you don't go to a Walgreens and turn it in and get it, you know, buy and pick it up and take it, it's not going to do you any good, right? Well, here we find in Deuteronomy 30, verse 1 through 3, we find the, 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 our spiritual doctor, God, right, the great physician, we find he tells us what needs to happen. He tells Israel, this is how to get it fixed. Now watch this. So it shall be when all of these things have come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you, what's the word? Return to the Lord your God and obey him with all of your heart and soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons. Then the Lord your God will what? Restore you. He'll restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. So here's God telling us the solution to fixing, in a sense, the consequences that are happening to us because of maybe where we've strayed and we've got away from God, where we've disobeyed God, we didn't listen to God. God says, listen, I've got the solution to fix those consequences. And there, here's the thing. Also, we learn as Jesus followers that the solution is similar just like it was for Israel. It's what? It's, re- it's returning so that we can be restored. It's returning so that we can be restored. Now, just as a physical heart A bad one, I should say, results in short breath. A a, a bad physical heart results in being feeling weak and having no stamina. And also, if you know this, anybody who has a heart problem, like physical heart problem, there's some there's some enjoyments in life that they have to forfeit. But in the same way, if we have a poor spiritual heart, it will lead us to forfeiting some things, and we have, in a sense, that we end up having like a. Uh, A shortness of spiritual breath, so to speak. We we feel weak in our walk with Jesus. Right, you guys tracking with me? So in the same way, listen. We God can give solutions. God can bring us back to restoration. God can take what the years, the 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 years that the locusts have eaten. He can restore that. God is all about restoration. Now here's a question, and don't have to answer this out loud. What trials do you currently have? That are directly tied to ignoring God's commands? What part of your life is not being fully blessed and fully enjoyed because you know for a fact that you're not following God in that area of your life? Do you want your path to change? Do you want that consequence to change? you want to say, you know what, I, I, I'm not enjoying the fullness of blessings of God in my life, and God, I want, I want that to restore that. You know, David, King David, you know, whenever he had an affair with Bathsheba, Psalm 51 is his psalm of repentance. And one of the lines he says in Psalm 51, he says, he said, restore to me, he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. What happened was, is because of his disobedience, it stripped all of his joy. And so he said, God, I'm coming back to you, and God, because I'm returning to you and getting right with you, God, I'm looking forward to you restoring my joy that's been stripped. You didn't strip it. I stripped it because of my own, because of my own choice. And so that, that's a prayer of David, and that should be our heart's prayer too. Say, so man, I want to get back to enjoying the blessings of God that he says are mine. Now, if he says in verse 2 and 3, return to the Lord, obey him, with all your heart and soul, then God is going to restore you. Now, now some some people think, well, well, pastor, that's just a promise to Israel. But here's the thing, as I said last week, the Bible says that God is the same today, yesterday, and f- forever, right? Always. God, and the Bible also says that God is, is, is it talks about how He's always about restoring His people, right? Right. Um, we find that, that God does not change. It's like, he, it's like He has this consistency. It's like how He operated in a sense uh, in the Old Testament, He operates in the New Testament. It's like, it's like we see the consistency of His, of his character, of, of how He deals with His own people in all times. Now, uh, here's the thing. Spiritual regeneration. Spiritual regeneration is when God is upon salvation, we experience a regeneration of our heart, and that happens in an instant. But restoration is always not instant. So we can experience regeneration by the Spirit of God, in which He gets gives us a brand new heart. But the restoration on the outside, sometimes that takes time. If I were to give you an example, has anybody here ever seen, ever met somebody that they have been redeemed by God and they have come out of a hard life of drugs? Is there, and, you, and if you ever met somebody like that, and they got saved out of drugs, and it's like, wow, you know, it's like, man, that you could see, man, that they, something's happened to them, right? But their life, it takes a while for, it hit, for everything to start coming together, right? This, you know, some of the brokenness, it's like they have to work through that. So restoration, is a, it, it takes time. It doesn't happen necessarily in an instant. So uh, give an example restoring an old car. Has, has anybody ever been around people who've ever restored cars, like old cars, right? It's so cool to watch that happen. So you see somebody restoring a car, they don't buy the car and it's restored the next day, right? It takes time. So what do you got to do? Well, most of those old cars, they've got certain areas and panels and parts of the, you know, of the body, it's got rust. And so what do they got to do? They got to cut out the rust and then they got to put in another piece of sheet metal, and then they've got to put bondo on it, right? And so they got to cut out the rust and the rot and the ruin that is on that car, and then they start working on the stability, the work on the frame. Uh, then, the, then the aesthetics, uh, what you see on the outside, that is the last thing that happens. God restoring your life from bad choices happens the same way as restoring a car, Okay? So it's redeemed. You buy it from the junkyard. Do you know that you were bought out of the junkyard by God? You were. You were bought out of the junkyard of life by the Lord Jesus, by the blood. And so what does He do? He bought you, but now He's going to start working on you the rest of your life. He's going to start restoring all the things that are messed up in your life. Everything that sin is corrupted and destroyed, God is going to do that. The very first thing He does is He begins to stop the proverbial rot, rust and rot in your life. He's going to stop that. He's going to cut that out. Second thing is He starts repairing your foundation or your frame. He starts to get you down where He makes you solid on the inside. The third thing that he does is is he starts closing up the gaps and the holes in your life. Just like he does with an old car. And then fourth, he paints and polishes the outer shell. So here's the thing. If God you know, a lot of times we want God to make us look good on the outside, right? I want to look good to all my friends and the people, so I, look like I got it together. If God did that first, there would still be rot and rust of sin and stuff that's destroying your life on the inside. Because you know, what happens is, and I've seen this happen where people try to cover over the rust and try to paint it. Within a few months, you know what happens? The rust on the inside, is still, it's still destroying the, 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 the metal. And what happens is it starts to actually leak through what the paint is that you see. So if God started just painting the outward shell, and started polishing the outward shell, in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, you're going to be in a worse shape maybe than you were when you started. And that's why God, listen to me, that is why God wants all of your heart and all of your soul. He wants to fix every bit of it. He wants to take not just a part of it and fix it. He wants the whole thing because He knows if He gets the whole thing, the whole heart, then God can do a full restoration process on you. And guess what? Man, you're talking about reflecting the glory of God in your life. Amen? Man. But if we don't surrender all of our heart, it can result in greater damage later. And that's why God is saying to us, He pleads to us, choose life. Don't choose death. Don't choose curse. Choose life. Now, watch what he says in verse 19 through 20. (coughs) Excuse me. In verse 19 through 20 of chapter 30, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose what? Life. In order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord, your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. Seven times in the last six verses of chapter 30, either the word life or live are said by the Lord. Seven times. And only once before that, God emphasizes to choose life for yourself. Now, do you guys know that there's different kinds of living? There's different kinds of living, right? Right? There's earthly living, but then there's heavenly living. There's earthly living, but there's eternal life, right? We know uh, that there is physical life, and but there's eternal life. We know that there, get this, we know that there's this idea of surviving, but then there's the other idea called thriving. We know that there's this idea of having an average life, but then there's this other idea that Jesus said, he, I didn't say it, He said it, He called it the abundant life. That's what he's talking about here. John 10.10, Jesus said this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You know the devil wants to steal life from you? The devil, the enemy, wants to take uh, excitement from you. He wants to take the enjoyment of Christ from you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy every part of your life. But here's what Jesus said. He said, he came that that we may have life and that we might have it abundantly. What does that mean? The abundant spiritual life is not just a fruitful life. It is a fruitful life, but it's not just that. The abundant spiritual life is actually God inviting you to get in on His favor. God wants to grant you favor. You know, it's just like a parent that wants to bless their child, but they're, you know, and Melissa could probably tell you some stories. When her kids are good. She probably blesses them, right? I mean, you, 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 uh, they, they get some certain benefits, but that they don't... Melissa, I tell you what, man, she runs a tight ship, buddy. You know, like, they don't get in the way of anything, man, which is... I mean, but, uh, but she does it because she loves her children. She loves her children. God prefers us. He prefers us to love Him with all of our heart. And if we're listening and obeying to His voice we're fully committed and surrendered to that, then we start to see that God begins to grant some favor in our life. The abundant life is not a perfect life. So please understand me. It's not a perfect life. The abundant life is one that is growing with God. It's, It's a life that begins to see that we're seeing good effect. We're satisfied in God. It's a life that is pleasing to the Father. And so because of that, God begins to grant us favor in the undertakings that we are pursuing in His name. Now, so when we love God and we obey God, friends, this is what I'm trying to get to in this whole series, then that's when we truly start living the dream. Amen. That's when we start truly living the dream. Now, imagine, imagine yourself one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, where would you be spiritually? Where will you be spiritually? And let's reverse that. Uh, Where were you one year ago or five years ago or even 10 years ago? Where were you spiritually? Is your life now closer to Jesus or is it further away? Maybe some of you in this room, you say, man, pastor, I feel like that my life has been a curse. And you're already a follower of Jesus, man you you got you gave your heart to Christ years ago and God did a miracle and did a redemption and all that. but maybe you've experienced some adversity that you know it's not been caused you know there's adversities and difficulties that come in life because of other people's choices, right? Sometimes things people do and it affects us, but I'm talking about yourself, you know your own choices. Your life has been adversity, maybe it's felt like a curse, maybe it, but maybe you're experiencing God's chastisement. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that He chastises His Son whom He loves. Why? He's disciplining Him. He's got, God is disciplined. He, he, he brings us back into walking with Him. And maybe we don't enjoy the fullness of the blessings, and maybe we're struggling spiritually in our life. Maybe, maybe that spiritual struggle has now spilled over into other areas of our life because we have not been listening and walking with the Lord. And here's the thing, all through the Bible, restoration. You know what God says in the Bible? He says this several times, return to me and I'll return to you. God says in in the New Testament, and I think it's the book of James, He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He says also, humble yourselves before the Lord and God will lift you up or lift you back up. So we have a choice. We, We say, okay, well, all right, I've experienced this because of where I've, I've kind of strayed from God or I have strayed from God, and I've experienced these consequences. God says, listen, I want to restore you. I want to bring you back to where you can enjoy the fullness of the blessings that I have for you spiritually. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it's simple. It's simple as just coming to God and say, God, I have chosen to go down the wrong path. God, I have chosen to, to disobey you. God, I've chosen not to listen to your voice. And Lord, I admit, I admit my own uh, suffering is because of my own of my own choices. Lord, I realize that your hand has been heavy on me and you've, you've been trying to discipline me to bring me back into a, 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 a right walk and fellowship with you. And God, I need to return to you. And Lord, as I know, as you promised, if I return to you and I turn my ba- heart back to you, God, you're gonna return your favor and your blessing back. And God, I need, I need spiritual heart surgery. God, would you do something in my heart that only you can do so then, therefore, God, you can fix the brokenness that's in me. Amen? As simple as that. God wants us to return to him that we, he can return to us. And we would see that happen in our life again. It doesn't mean our life's going to be perfect and everything's going to fall into place all of a sudden in the snap of a finger. Remember, that restoration process, God works over time. He has to cut some things out. He has to fix some things on the inside. And then the outside begins to start looking like the inside. And so we serve an awesome God. Don't you love when you sing that song, Amazing Grace? Amen? Don't you love Amazing Grace? Because it really is amazing that God would show that favor to us, to love us, where we're at, to change us from where we are to where He wants us to be. We praise Him for His mercy. We praise Him for His compassion. We praise Him for His love. Let's pray together. Father, we love You. This morning, God, we realize how much You love us. And Father, we, as we look at this example with Israel, we see these curses that came upon them because of the choices that they made. And Lord, they, it was just really just a forfeiture of some blessings. And God, I just wonder this morning in this room, God, how many people might be here that have forfeited some blessings in their life? And Lord, maybe they realize this morning, God, where they're at. But Father, you don't want to leave them there. You you don't want them just to stay in that muck and that mire and that sticky mud of life, but God, you want them to experience greater things than what they are experiencing now, Lord. They maybe joy has been stripped, maybe peace has been stripped, but Father, whatever it is that God that they forfeited, Lord, you say is available to us in Christ Jesus. And Father, if we'll just choose to come back to you, God, we'll see you come back to us, and that you'll you'll we'll see your favor. And some of those blessings to be, start to become experienced again that, Lord, that we're not experiencing. So, Father, if there's any heart here this morning that needs to do that, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, that they would confess that in their heart to you, and that, God, that they would make an active, uh, volitional decision this morning and say, God, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to surrender to you, and, Lord, I'm going to let you begin to work in all parts of my heart. I'm going to give you all of my heart, and, Lord, I'm going to love you with all my heart and all my soul. And God, as we begin to do that, God, we'll see incredible things happen in our life. We'll see you move in unique ways. And God, we'll see incredible blessings become through our life and out of our life and around our life. And Father, we praise you and we love you for just loving us and bringing us back to you. So Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening to the Momentum Life podcast. To find out more about Momentum Church, visit MomentumChurchAZ.com.